the possibility of some surprises for the Olympic closing ceremony. Hello everyone, welcome to today's Tokyo Report from Around the Rings. I'm Ed Hula. We'll have more on these rumors about the closing ceremony in Paris 2024 in just a moment. First, Friday brings the busiest day on the calendar for the Tokyo Olympics. 27 events, 13 of them for medals. Athletics gets underway with a day of heats, accompanied appropriately enough by temperatures in the range of 30 plus Celsius. It will have cooled slightly by Friday night for the one medal event on the calendar for athletics, the men's 10,000 meters. Two entrants in the men's pole vault will not compete after testing positive for coronavirus. They are the latest among 193 positive tests of credentialed individuals for the Games. 24 were added Thursday. That's the biggest daily jump since July 1st. Thursday, the government also announced more than 3,800 new cases in Tokyo. That's also a surging number, double what it was last week. Nonetheless, the IOC and Tokyo 2020 insist the surge is not related to the influx of Olympic travelers to Japan. Those number just over 39,000. Tokyo Metropolitan Governor Yuriko Koiki salutes the citizens of her city for doing their part by staying home and watching the Olympics on TV. With thousands of journalists on hand, the Olympic Games have been an important platform in the past for organizations, cities, and sports trying to pitch their causes to the press. A number of international firms are involved in this business of sports communication. They organize the press conferences, roundtables, and hospitality events we've seen in past Olympics as part of their services. And they're at work in Tokyo, but they do face some unique challenges this time around, operating under the protocols being followed to prevent the spread of coronavirus. Joining us today is the head of one of the world leaders in this realm of communications, John Tibbs, chairman of JTA, based in the UK. For nearly 20 years, JTA has been advising clients such as bid cities, national Olympic committees, and sports federations, and including Paris 2024, which we are will, which we are told by John will offer some genuine surprises during the August 8th closing ceremony. We'll get some of that into some of that with John in just a moment. He was also, by the way, part of the team that won the 2020 Olympics for Tokyo. Welcome to the Tokyo Report, John Tibbs. Ed, yeah, it's uh, it's great to speak with you, but normally you and I are speaking face-to-face over a glass of sake or something similar. It's uh, We're missing you, Ed, to be honest. Um, Tokyo and uh, and all the Olympic family are missing you and it's, Sheila. Uh, it's not the same. Thank you very much. It's not the same for us either, uh, but uh, it's... Uh, I, you know, it's just one of the facts of life for us dealing in the proper way with the uh, pandemic. And, uh, you know, we weren't able to make it to Tokyo, which is uh, too bad because we love Tokyo, a wonderful city. And um, I think it seems like they're doing a, a pretty good job of putting on the games, given all the uh, difficulties they face. What, what's your opinion of how it's going there? Yeah, I think you've summarized it very well. I think um, 
it's an immensely complex um, operation putting on an Olympic Games in its own right. But if you put the whole uh, COVID protocols on top of that in a city that clearly is trying to fight a, a rise in the Delta variant um, every day is a, is a record day with new, new cases. Um, th- this is a logistics operation unprecedented in the events industry worldwide. Um, it, it's the normal Olympic logistics and security and protocols with then about four times more uh, again, on top, just to ensure that everyone is um, is is safe. And I think, in answer to your question, I think they're doing a pretty good job. Um, the 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 airport experience obviously has been very well publicised as being one that has caused huge delays and problems. Many people have got through in two or three hours. Some people six or seven hours. I was one of the six-hour lots, and then uh, others, unfortunately, including athletes, were a lot longer. Some teams were held up for almost sort of 10 or 11 hours as they go through all the testing procedures at the airports and so on but apart from that i think generally things are working pretty well and um i've been hugely impressed with the logistics behind the daily testing of the tens of thousands of people here accredited literally every single day everyone does a test and submits their test for pcr um, uh, you know, v- uh, validation, and uh, and that seems to be uh, working incredibly well. Um, are you aware of anybody who's uh, tested positive or got gotten sick or had to have, had to have further complications as a result of the testing? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you you hear of people that you you know you're vaguely you vaguely know, but. Um, I, I think it's probably best for, for those people um, to be left uh, anonymous as much as possible. Obviously, the, the, some of the athletes have been named and named and shamed almost in the, in, in the sort of the media, which is a shame because it's almost as if you know it, 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 they've done something wrong um, and they're made to feel very guilty and that they've let the side down. I, I think generally, if if anyone has been unfortunate enough to be tested positive, then they're they're um, you know they're their name should be kept out of the media as much as possible. But I know that's difficult for high-profile athletes. Uh, you've been to Tokyo many times ahead of the Games. What would you, how would you describe the difference uh, between Tokyo of past and the Tokyo of the 2020? Uh, yeah, well, th- this is a city that's in a state of emergency at the moment um, because of COVID in the city. Forget the Olympic Games. It, it, it's, it's in a a lockdown pretty much there's no alcohol being served in any of the bars or restaurants um and there's curfews after a certain time at night so it, it's which you know you'll know ed just what that means to a city like tokyo which just has the most wonderful uh bars restaurants and and food culture uh, and so it's just it's just a crying shame that the, all these international guests and visitors, many of whom are in Japan and Tokyo for the first time, are not able to get out and experience um, the wonderful culinary delights that the city has to offer. Um, everyone is very strictly regimented by what the, what's called their activity plan. We all have an activity plan which is signed off and then it's monitored by a COVID liaison officer who keeps an eye on us all to make sure we stay within our activity plan, which is approved by the Tokyo government. So even, you know, even if we were 
allowed to break out from all of the restrictions there. The city is under lockdown. And so it's a completely different city from anything I've ever experienced before. And I've been coming to Tokyo for 25 years. So it's, it's, it's quite sad, actually. And it's particularly sad, Ed, to go into magnificent venues like the indoor volleyball venue or the beach volleyball venue which are where i've been spending a lot of time with our clients or into the aquatic center which is a fantastic venue and seeing them completely empty instead of full of cheering wild crazy fans from japan and around the world it's desperately sad to see the city and and all the venues so quiet and so subdued uh, clarify one thing you, you mentioned a few minutes ago, the, the fact that no alcohol is being served, uh, given the, the, the nature of the hospitality business and just relaxing <laughs> after a day of, of, uh, of, of, of work, uh, you can't even have a cold beer. Is that how it works? Well, every hotel seems to be slightly different in terms of how they're running their, um, their COVID protocols. My hotel, for example, is very strictly regimented between a red zone, which is for people who are quarantining in their 40, first 14 days. And then there's a green zone when after 14 days, you're allowed into the green zone and all the restaurants are in the green zone. But the one, one thing all the hotels have in common is there is no alcohol being served in any public place. Uh, I think most people have got access to a couple of beers and you know a small mini bottle of wine in their, in their room, in their fridges in their room which at least for those who are desperate they can have a have a drink and i think some smart people are bringing in boxes of uh, booze um, from amazon they've signed up to, to um amazon in japan and you can get deliveries of booze to your hotel that way but the, under the state of emergency there is no alcohol allowed in any any public place or any restaurants or bars and i guess this has really put a dent in the uh, hospitality houses and other gathering places that were very common in past games by run by NOC other groups. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I haven't. Been, I've been to Club France uh, where you know they're, they're 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 running a very tight ship there, and I haven't yet been to Castro Italia, but uh, all the other ones that, that that used to be you know the sort of the high profile ones run by the US and uh, and other organizations, they've been closed right down. I think there is only about 11 or 12, as opposed to, say, 20 or 30. Um, I, I don't know how many there were in the past. You would know better than me. But, um, but yeah, that whole hospitality side of things has been slimmed right down to, uh, to, to next to nothing. And how about press conferences and... Uh, other gatherings of, of media are you able to organize those as well yeah i mean the, the good news is is that the mpc the main press center and the, the 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 media operations within each of the venues is working incredibly well i mean the transport's a bit patchy and they, they they've got quite a bit of work to do to to get the transport working a bit more efficiently but the actual media ops inside the main press center and the, the venues is uh, is excellent and the media there is a huge media contingent here and they are um getting out and about to the venues they have um if, as long as the venues were on their activity list uh, they can go and um turn up at the venues and there is uh, opportunity to watch the sport live and within 
some degree they can go into a limited mixed zone type scenario. So, um, and press conferences are available with fantastic facilities at the main press center, really spectacular uh, press conference facilities. So, so I think in, in that sense, um, you know, the media have been well catered for. There's a few grumblings from your colleagues in the media, Ed, about the, like I said, about the transport and about the food in the main press center. Um, we always say in the PR industry that, uh, you know, the one thing you do with sports journalists is you, you make sure there's good food, good grog, i.e., you know, booze whenever possible, good Wi-Fi and a good bed, and then you keep the media happy. Uh if you if you miss out on one or two of those, then you run the risk of getting some uh, some negative press. And I think Tokyo have had a bit of a hit on uh, on on some aspects of the media operations and media logistics. Um, but generally, I think I think the the, the world class sport that we're all watching, the incredible uh, um, results that are coming from all over the, all over the place with nations winning gold for the first time. Um, I think people realizing that. Once the once the athletes take centre stage, then it's about sport. It's about celebrating great human achievement, and and it seems to be settling down. With all of the, the, that's going on in in Tokyo with the pandemic, is it hard to get the attention? Harder to get the attention of of the press for the uh, for the clients and uh, uh, causes that you're you're representing in Japan. Um, no, not really. I think the, as always, as, as, as you well know, you know, more than most, um, that the, the first 10 days before the opening ceremony, as media begin to arrive, there's a bit of a vacuum. And so the stories tend to be quite negative as people look for fault. They look for, for issues. They look to see what the scandals could be. And, and they also focus a lot on the political side of things, the costs, the, uh, the, the ISC executive board and all the you know the ISC session and all the dynamics and politics around that. So the stories tend to be quite sort of corporate and quite political and often looking for scandals. Once the opening ceremony happens, which you know is a sort of an ecosystem of stories in its own right, um, you then move into sports. And once sport take center stage then then it it, it it settles down and i think that's been exactly the same situation here in tokyo there was a there was a period of a week before the opening ceremony when all the stories were about covid and whether the games would be cancelled at the last minute and all of that and it's no different from the the, the types of issues you know that rio was facing and sochi faced and even london with their security issues before the games so um so it's quite normal to see negative negative coverage before the opening ceremony going into the the, the, the final 10 days to the games do they have do you see any issues or possible trouble spots coming up or is it going to be yeah go go yeah, to, no, today was, I think, a, a, a troublesome day because of the weather. The Today was an incredibly um, hot and humid day, very, very high humidity, which is what's affecting the athletes as much as the heat. So 34 degrees, 35 degrees, but with 80% humidity or whatever whatever the percentage number is, is, is very, very tough. And so we've seen some fairly distressing scenes from the tennis today. And of course, the media 
do tend to focus on on some of those uh, those elements but uh, you know you can see the organizing committee working incredibly hard to to mitigate against that with um, cooling devices and um, and ice and towels and drinks and more rest periods and uh, and I, I think in that sense they're doing everything they can to keep it to keep it as bearable as possible but there's no doubt about it that the weather is even by tokyo standards is is unseasonably hotter and more humid than it normally is and today especially well you're having the exactly exactly the same weather that we're experiencing here in atlanta georgia which is on just about the same latitude as tokyo japan and i i i, I compare the two cities and Frequently, the weather is the same in, uh, in in both in both spots. We're going to be in the range of uh, 32, 33, 34 today with a good 80% humidity. So we are in weather solidarity with you, uh, John. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I think, Ed, you know, overall, um, my, take, my take on Tokyo so far is when you're here on the ground, obviously it's, everything's a little bit more inconvenient and a little bit more troublesome than you're used to for the games. But we're only 30,000, 40,000 people um, that, that's having to go through all that. There are some two to three billion people tuning in on their devices or on TV watching the world's best athletes um, perform um, across you know, up to 150 170 different nations or however many nations are taking part and from what i'm reading around the world that's what's getting the stories that's what's getting the headlines and you know amazing feats and human endeavor and and that's what seems to be grabbing the attention more than weather more than covid more than you know no no spectators in the venues and i i think i think that at the end is what's Tokyo will be remembered for as they were able, despite all the issues, all the problems that were thrown up, they were still able to put on an, an Olympic Games to all intents and purposes. Well, they they they, they do have a, a lot of challenges. There's strong public opinion against the games. What does what does Tokyo get out of this experience? Unpopular. As it may be in and uh, in Tokyo. Well, you say the the public opinion is against the game, so I think that shifted in the last week. Um, I think the opening ceremony was um, uh, a triumph, and uh, based on a moderate budget, and uh, and they managed to get that story across about how they cut the costs on that. And then ever since then, Japan have had a fantastic games, winning you know far more. Um, medals at this early stage than they were expected to, I think, and that's really got the nation behind them. And everywhere you go, you, you near the venues, you see fans cheering on the athletes as they go into into their competition venues and so on. So I think public opinion in Japan has shifted already in the last week, How and uh, to the extent that, sorry, no, go ahead. Oh, so uh, you know to the extent that um, they're almost um, at that point now where the prefectures outside of Tokyo that are hosting venues are allowing a, a limited number of spectators in now. So who knows? There may even be the prospect of uh, some spectators being allowed into venues in Tokyo 
um, next week. That's just my speculation. I'm not hearing anything on the inside that leads me to believe that. But public opinion is shifting, Ed. It's shifting in the right direction because they're very proud. They're rightly, the, the Japanese folks I've spoken to, are hugely proud of two things. One, the fact that they've been able to put the games on at all. And two, the fact that their athletes are doing so incredibly well without any fans there cheering them on. Uh, how would you rate the communications from Tokyo and the IOC? Uh, uh, that's so important in a in a crisis situation, in a difficult situation. How 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 is the the flow of information from from those two institutions going? Well, as you know, Ed, every morning there is a a press briefing where journalists are allowed to ask any questions they like of the. Uh, of the organizing committee and our good friend Masa Takaya is, is every day faithfully um, answering all the questions on behalf of the organizing uh, committee and the ISC have their representatives um, up. Uh, I think the answer is they are, they are doing as best they can under a very, very difficult um, situation. Um, there are a, a lot of complaints coming in from different stakeholders, as you'd expect, about transport or about the testing regimes or if someone comes into contact with someone who may have been in contact with someone who tested positive, that they have to go into 14 days quarantine, but they have a competition coming up. All of these things are just sort of nonstop issues that have to be dealt with. I think I've been impressed by how quickly uh, both the organizing committee and the IOC are, are getting their head around the various emerging issues, the type of which have, none of which have ever happened before in Olympic Games. And they seem to be getting a degree of flexibility. Um, so, you know, Japan is often accused of not being flexible um, and being quite rigid. I've been quite impressed by the degree of preparedness to be flexible. And, um, and and make some new changes as they go along. So in that sense, I think the communication has been pretty good. The um, the and the flexibility in very difficult, fast moving um, situation has been pretty good as well. Could always be better. There could always be there could always be more um, communication. Um, but it's it's not been it's not been a radio silence at all. Uh, and as far as your work in Tokyo goes, uh, who are you? Uh, who are you representing? What 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 are you? Uh, what are you trying to get across for, for, for your clients? Yeah, we got a, we got a number of um, of uh, clients here. We've actually got sixteen um, that we're working with. Uh, so I'm not going to go through 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 all of them, but we've got a number of big international federation clients like uh, the World Volleyball Federation (FIVB). Um, uh, we've got, uh, we're working with the World Swimming Federation or the World Aquatics Federation, FINA. Um, and uh, we've been working with Taekwondo International Federation as well. So th that's kept us fairly busy. Uh, uh, we're working with a number of uh, National Olympic committees, um, such as Jordan, um, for example, who have had a, a silver medal in the, uh, in, in Taekwondo and have, you know, which for a small nation like Jordan is just absolutely huge. They had a gold in in in, uh, in Japan, sorry, in uh, Rio. So uh, overall, you know, our National Olympic Committee clients um, uh, uh, have been busy. We worked with the Czech Olympic Committee and uh, 
various others. And then we're working with the, and, sorry, and also with the Qatar Olympic Committee as well, who, are, as you know, are a very major player generally in the, in the Olympic movement and have been very helpful with the IOC on the refugee team that's out here and been very helpful with the vaccination program of athletes out here. So we've been doing a lot of communications around that. Um, and we have been working with um, our friends at the International Tech Ball Federation who will have a presence here just to sort of see if they can uh, increase awareness and promote their presence in, in the Olympic movement and as they make strides towards one day potentially being an Olympic sport. So, yeah, we, we've got a number of clients. I think the most important new addition to our client roster is Paris uh, 2024, the organising committee for the Olympic and Paralympic Games in 2024 in Paris. And as you know, they will have a major role to play on the 8th of August when Tokyo 2020 hand over the Olympic flag to the mayor of Paris. And uh, there's uh, a few surprises and a few things in store which are going to be a bit different uh, on the 8th, Ed, but I, I can't tell you any more than that. Well, that's John Tibbs, chairman of the UK sports communications firm JTA whose client group now includes Paris 2024. And we await the surprises John Tibbs is promising for the closing ceremonies. Emmanuel Macron rappelling down the Eiffel Tower? Well, all may be revealed in the closing ceremony coming up August 8th. Eleven more days of competition in Tokyo, if the city doesn't melt in the heat by then. The Ariake Arena was a hot spot Thursday night, where Sunisa Lee of the U.S. won the gold medal in the gymnastics all-around women's event. At the close of competition, the U.S. sits atop the medal table with 38, China second with 31. The team of Russians competing under doping sanctions, also known as ROC, third with 28 overall medals. Japan has 25, Australia fifth at 20. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of the Tokyo Report, our daily podcast about the games. I'm Ed Hula. See you tomorrow. Your best source of news about the Olympics is AroundTheRings.com.